Welcome to Beyond the Call, brought to you by Start Church. We hope you enjoy the upcoming podcast and hope this time is empowering, inspiring, and helpful as you pursue the dream God has put in your heart. The participants of this podcast are not attorneys, and this recording is not to be considered legal advice. Please contact your local attorney's office where needed. Enjoy today's podcast. Well, thank you so much for joining this Start Church podcast called Beyond the Call. And Beyond the Call is the podcast resource of Start Church, where we're trying to have uh, honest conversations with leaders in the body of Christ who are helping move the church forward. I've got a, a great pleasure today. I've got my friend Avery Nesbitt in the house uh, with us. Avery, thanks so much for uh, being on the podcast. You're welcome, Nathan. This is, uh, is going to be great. Now, how long have you and I known each other? Just so... Uh, People can understand. Oh, how wow. I don't think they have calendars that go back that far. <laughs> if we get uh, out the see, abacus, it's no, got to be 15 or 20 years. Sometimes. If we go to abacus, I think it has to be at least 20. Yeah. It's at least 20 years. Yeah. Well, um, it's been neat watching you grow. You know, you were in the ministry that we were a part of early on and watching you grow, come on staff, go into full-time ministry, see you helping lead a church that's quite honestly one of, one of the most influential churches in America. Uh, and many levels. And uh, we're excited you'd spend a little time with us today. To rewind the tape for the listeners who don't know you, tell us a, a little bit about your story, what's your current role, and how'd you get there? Sure. So my name is Avery Nesbitt. I'm the executive pastor of operations at Victory Church. And uh, this is actually a new role for me. I've only been in this role for um, however long COVID has lasted, right at the beginning of wow. everyone go home. That's when I took this role. So maybe about two months. Um, now I've been a part of Victory for just about maybe 17 years. Wow. So I've been a part of Victory about 17 years. I've been on staff probably right at about 13 to 14 years. Um, and so I've, I've been in roles in, in young adult ministry with you. Mm-hmm. Um, I've served in operations, um, helped uh, to sort of take a church merger and turn it into a flourishing church and now in my current role as executive pastor of operations, I get to oversee the operations for all of Victory Church. Um, it's three physical locations with an online location and just really help bring um, a new perspective and a vision to what's already an incredible 30-year-old legacy vision of a church. So I am, uh, I am taking the ride of my life and loving every second of it. So young adult ministry, church planting, executive pastoring. I mean, you're, you really are a wealth of information. Hey, tell us about Victory. For those that don't know who Victory is, what's kind of the vision? Mm-hmm. Uh, what's God doing there right now? So Victory Church is, uh, will be 30 years old. Uh, 30 years ago, church was planted with this, what at the time, and it's so ironic that we're talking about this today, right? At the time, was a radical vision of building families, reconciling cultures, acting nations, transforming communities. And three of those sound like every other church. But we hung on this pillar of reconciling cultures, of intentionally building a church in the South that looked like a church from, from all over the world. Yeah. And so literally this week, we welcomed the nation of Turkey to the membership of wow. Victory. Uh, officially, as far as I can tell, being, being the most multicultural church in the world. 
Um, and so it is, it has been our privilege to steward this, this, this vision from God for 30 years. And now, especially in today's climate, which I'm sure we'll talk about at some level, um, we're starting to hear the world cry out for something that God gave us 30 years ago. And so it just feels like this honor, this mm -hmm. honor to carry this banner of reconciliation. Um, and that's become a bit of our calling card. And until Jesus returns, that's the, that's the message that will be coming out of victory. That's so great. Till the end. Well, it sounds like the Lord has really positioned you. And you, when you think about COVID and everything that's happened, and you think about the recent, uh, recent deaths and the, uh, the items we've had to deal with on the race front, it seems like victory is really poised that your four values actually help lead to some healing there. Tell us how you guys have Absolutely. been uh, ministering to the community, both through COVID and um, through the recent situations. So we'll start with COVID because that one sort of caught everyone off guard, right? No matter what church, no matter what size, no matter who you were, uh, COVID sort of caught us all on our heels. And so what we've been able to do is part of our, our four pillars, like I just said, is impacting nations and transforming communities. And so we truly believe in having a strong arm that goes out into the community, yeah. whether we're meeting on a Sunday or not. And so not meeting in house, in person every week has actually given us a lot more bandwidth to be in communities wow. that we haven't had a chance to get into because we've been so busy, you know, and this will sound a certain kind of way, but so busy sure. putting on services that we've often forgotten the people that are sitting at the gates. Yeah. And so we've been able to go into communities. We've been able to go into places that um, are looking for someone to come in. Yeah. Um, and help. And so we've been doing food drives. We've been bringing food to people. We've been picking up food in front of doors. Um, we've been able to provide meals for essential workers, for healthcare workers. We've been able to use the facility to host a blood drive uh, because the, the blood donations are going down. And so little things like that, when you when we're hearing these, these little yeah. bubbles of a need, we're able to jump into it. Now on the, the racial tensions that are going on. We honestly do feel uniquely gifted to speak yeah. to some of the tensions across not just the state, but the nation and the world because we have 30 years yeah. of vision behind it. Um, there's a lot of churches that are stepping into the fray and they're stepping cautiously and carefully. Um, and we are running front and center and saying, this is what the word of the Lord says about mm -hmm. this to you, to us right now. So those yeah. are some of the things that we've been able to jump head on in the midst of crisis from, from every angle. So let's kind of uh, dial back here. Uh, today is June 3rd. Uh, we're recently dealing with uh, the death of George Floyd and how yeah. that's unrolling. Um, take me back a couple of days. How did you guys first feel the impact and what was, how did you begin to walk through this? Yeah. When the video when the video first came out and everyone is seeing this video, I'm going to tell you that there is anyone who tells you, well, let me explain to you how black America feels. Let me explain to you um, how white America feels. You know, I'm a, I'm a 40 year old black man. If someone is going to communicate to you how any giant culture feels, they are misleading you. Sure. So here's what I would tell you. Here is where I landed and a few of those around me that I identified with. Yeah you are going to find people on a lot of different ends of the spectrum. Some people are immediately angry because they're pulling up old um, situations and old circumstances. 
We've had people on staff say it reminded me of the time that I had to run away from people mm. twice. Wow. Um, we've had some people on the other end that said, I am so mad. All I want to do is get out on the street and protest. Sure. Those are generally going to be far ends. There was a large group of people that really felt numb. It just felt numb yeah. because we've seen it. When we've seen it over and over and we've seen the hashtag Eric Gardner's and the hashtag Trayvon Martin and the hashtag Brianna and the hashtag and the hashtag and the hashtag. And I tell you, um, fatigue sets in. Yeah. Fatigue sets in and you really have to fight the urge not to just go numb on the inside. Yeah. And so what we decided is that whatever we said, it wouldn't be towards one thought process yeah we would try to reach people wherever they are so we reached out to people who had a had a had a, an anger inside of them we reached out to people who we knew I, I especially our you know our our young adults we have people who go to our young adult ministry here that were 100 percent out on the streets yeah. protesting yeah um, and then you have this large group of people in the middle that are just saying i don't know what to think yeah i'm i've seen it and everyone's mad but eventually that rage will subside and I'll be back in this chaos once this is all over. And so we had to minister to them as well. And it has been, it has been, it has just been a gift from God to say, Hey, we're here with you. Well, where were you? We were right here. Yeah. Well, what about we were right here? We've been fighting this and we've been warring against this principality, the spirit for 30 years. Mm. So let us walk you through what ra- what racial reconciliation truly yeah. looks like. And then one of the things that's come out of this is just when we approach people from those different angles, and that's just the black community. There's a there's a, a feeling in the Hispanic community. There's a yeah. feeling in the in the Asian American community. There's a feeling in the white culture. There's all these different things. The 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 kind of the common phrase we've been able to catch people like, "Hey, um, you know what we're looking for? We're looking for oneness, not sameness." Mm. We're not trying to lump everyone together and say we're all the same. We are all uniquely gifted and different, but we are looking for oneness. So that message of oneness has been a primary call um, in the midst of all of this chaos. And so that's, those have been sort of the ways we've been able to engage in both simultaneous worldwide crisis that are happening right in the midst of uh, 2020. Wild. Hey there, listeners. Did you know that obtaining your 501c3 status is one of the best steps a church can take? This protects not only the church, but also its donors. For this reason, our Start Right service helps pastors complete both processes of incorporating their churches and getting their 501c3 approval. You don't have to carry the burden of preparing bylaws, articles, and IRS applications by yourself. Instead, let our team of consultants walk you through the process. It would be our honor to serve you. Call us today at 770-638-3444. And now back to the podcast. Pastor Avery, let's let's talk about, uh, on this podcast, a lot of people are church planters. They're actually new to the ministry. Can you imagine somebody's first year? (laughs) Starting now? Yeah, starting now. This is their first, they're six months into ministry. Um, Talk to them real quick. Uh, how do how do you you know you, in your experience how do you process when everything's coming at you so fast and these this is probably more crisis obviously than normal but what do you do as a leader what's the first couple things you do as a leader to make sure you're leading healthy and leading wisely in in the midst of crisis 
Um, I've actually had to ask myself this a lot. Um, and I can tell you all of the super spiritual answers. You know, Nathan, I, I pray. First thing I do is I try to seek uh, the, the voice of God. I have read my Bible more in this crisis than in any other time, trust me. So I can tell you that I'm reading and, and I'm praying. But if I am just super practical with you, after I have read, after I've prayed, after I have listened to God, um, what leaders do is they run, they go, they make moves, they make decisions. You know, I've said those things, you know, decision-making is the currency of leadership. And I believe in those things. But you know what, you, you know what I'm doing more now than I've ever done before? I'm waiting. Mm-hmm. I am not moving fast. I am not saying the first thing that comes to my mind. I'm not making the first decision um, I come to. I am waiting because in crisis, things shift so quickly. Yeah, Things can adjust so fast right on you. And if you are 10 miles down the road on a what was an okay decision, it is now a terrible decision. Mm-hmm. And so anyone who's in the, in the business of leading, man, you have to know how to pivot. You have to know how to resist the urge to just go with your gut. Sometimes your gut is as wrong as it can possibly be. Yeah. Um, I have found myself making a decision and, th- and then just going, let me just wait a bit. Yeah. If it's still solid, if I still feel good, then, I'll, then absolutely, I'm going to make that decision. I'm going I'm to move forward. If you've got someone, no matter the size of your church, decisions are right in front of you every single day. But when things move this fast, you really have to lay your head down at night and know that I did not make the quick decision. I made the best decision. We've seen churches open and then two weeks later had to close right. because they didn't do some things right. And now people are sick. Yeah. Uh, we've seen lead- leaders make declarations about where they're going only to have to roll those back yeah. because they didn't fully get the whole landscape. The biggest thing that has changed about my leadership in the midst of crisis is I find myself making more calculated, slower, God-breathed decisions instead of just the fast, executable, let's get it done, let's get it done. Uh, that guy is freaking out because yeah. you can get something done and it shifts on you. Yeah. Well, that's, that's the mature answer right there. I think that's because you're not a new leader. As a new leader, you feel like I got to start calling plays and calling audibles. Right, but, right. You know, 17 years into ministry or whatever, you go, you know what I need to do? I need to downshift for a second. You know, I, I need, need to, to sit down for a second. Yeah. yeah. Uh, that's, that's leadership gold. Did you find that during crisis, you feel like, hey, my words have more weight and I need to be uh, more reflective on what I say? Uh, that they, you know, I need to make sure I'm leading in a way and I'm speaking in a way that's clear. Have you, have you ever felt that in crisis? I, I, I do feel that, but in this crisis, I feel like I've gotten a little bit, probably even more clarity into it. And, and I'll take it back to maybe the George Floyd situation. Um, the, unfortunately, the death of an unarmed black man for what could be conceived as a, a, a petty crime is not newsflash. It is fairly common. But when this one hit, it rang with such an echo. It rang with such a fervor. And I've been sitting and I've been trying to think about why. And all I can think of is coronavirus. Mm. Because everything is so shut down, because everything is so slow, because everything is so quiet right now. Yeah. 
it felt like someone dropped a glass in an empty, quiet room. Mm -hmm. And it didn't just, psh, oh, what was that? Someone drops a glass at a party or at a restaurant. Yeah. Everybody kind of goes, <laughs> and they move back. It's, it felt like someone dropped a glass in an empty, quiet room and it just shattered. Yeah. And it caught everyone's attention because we're so sensitive right now, because we're so thrown off. Everyone is so, what's coming next? What's coming next? And this hit at such a raw moment in just the national consciousness, you know, yeah. that it struck a deep vein yes. and people are crying out. That is how I feel like my words have been in times of crisis. Not that they're more powerful. Mm -hmm but things are so sensitive right now yeah. that my words are hitting deeper than they normally do. And so, yes, I am being more cautious with my words, but not because I think the leader in me has grown and I'm, and I'm this like crisis leader. I think people are just, what is going to happen next? Yeah. 2020 is like the, the, the year that won't quit. Right. So yeah. what's going to happen next. And so if you have has influence over you and they say something sideways that, yeah. In a busy situation, you may not, that may have just been yeah. off your shoulder. Instead of being older, it hits in the heart. Yeah. And so I, I, I've, I've just kind of shaped a little bit of what you're saying. It's not that I feel like my words weigh more. I feel like the season we're in, things are hitting so much. Yeah. And I love it. Yeah. I love it because it allows us to touch on some things that maybe we wouldn't have allowed to, to be exposed. Yeah, it's really good. You know, I found myself using the term a lot lately, disorientation. It feels so disoriented. Yeah. You know, things are yep. almost surreal. Yep. You know, we're, we're yep. not in church, we're not at schools. There's uh, these incredibly horrible deaths happen. It feels so disorienting. How do you as a leader, mm -hmm. leaders have to navigate in a very disorienting <laughs> right. time? How do you find your walls? Yep. How do you, how do you find the rails for Rana? I think in the times of, of, you know, if you take it back to the word where, when you're disoriented, it means you're lost. You can't find where you're trying to go. If you, if we're using terms of navigation, even in the biggest storm, even in the, the, the biggest winds, um, there are still some true Norths. Yeah. There are still some things that don't move. Yeah. And so you have to stop looking at the things that are moving. You have to stop looking at what opinion says. Opinions are off the walls right now and they're opposing day after day. Um, we were doing the thing about, you know, hey, let's call this church. Let's call that church. Let's call this church to see what the consensus is. There is zero consensus. Yeah. There is no consensus about how to reopen your church or how to engage. Do I do children's ministry the first week? Do I make everyone wear masks? Do I make yeah. them wear gloves? There is no consensus. There is, everyone is completely disoriented. Yeah. And so the, there are some things that don't change and you have to find them. Mm. And you have to hold on to them for dear life. Yeah. The things that don't change are gonna be your, your vision. The things that don't change are gonna be your mission. The things that don't change are gonna be, why am I doing this? I don't know why they are doing it, but I know why I'm doing it. Yeah. And so every single day, what hasn't changed in me is I want to be the best leader for the people under my influence that I can possibly be. Yeah. That means something different in the midst of a global pandemic. Yeah. That means something completely different in the midst of national wide civil unrest. That means something different every season 
but it's still the same true north. Yeah. Everyone's true north is going gonna, is gonna to rise up when, when, when these moments happen. And that's where I get my walls. It's, it's like I wake up in the morning and say, all right, what's in this episode of 2020? Yeah. I know what I'm going to do today. Let's see what's, what's coming around me. And I think that is one of the defining moments between leaders and those that just want to lead. A leader is saying, I am in the midst of a tornado on top of an earthquake, yeah. but I know where I'm going. Yeah. I may get knocked in the head and I may get thrown on my butt a few times, but I still know where, where I'm going. Um, there are some people that are caught up in the wind and they have no idea where to land. Um, and that, those have been my walls. I know what I'm doing. I know why I'm doing it. I may not know how I'm doing it. Yeah. I may not know what it's going to look like, but I know what I'm doing and I'm, and I'm, and I'm going to stick with what I'm doing because that is my true North. Does that, does that make sense? Yeah. That's so good. Uh, in the middle of leading, uh, leading in these crisis times, um, what do, uh, speak to young leaders for a second. Yeah. What do they need to be communicating to their churches? What, what are not only the narratives, but in, in the high level, what principles, yeah. what, what should they be communicating? I think as with any time of crisis, the biggest thing that people need to hear is that I see you. Yeah. I'm in this crisis. You're in this crisis. Yeah. We are in this crisis. And I'm not just going to tell you what I think. I'm not just going to tell you what I think the Bible says. I'm not just going to tell you what I think we ought to do. I'm going to tell you that I see you. I may not know exactly what your situation is, but man, I see you. I see you and I'm going to be here for you. So that's whether you have um, someone that's lost their job because of a pandemic. Yeah. That's someone who's feeling uneasy about who used to be their brother, who used to be their friend, because yeah. they're, they're of a different race and now they're not sure how to feel about this anymore. Yeah. I see you. Yeah. Um, so let's talk about it in the context of like reopening our churches. We got people all over the spectrum. I know people that are saying, if you make me wear a mask, I'm not coming. Yeah. I know people that say, if you don't have masks on, I'm not coming. Yeah. Okay, well, there's no answer <laughs> for both of you at the same sure. time. All we can say is, hey, I see you. Yeah. I see that this is important to you. And we'll figure this out together. If people know that they are seen, young leaders, old leaders, if you can communicate the heart of I see you, yeah. um, everything else works itself out, I promise. What, we, what happens is we have leaders that they just want to declare the, 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 the vision, the outcome, the direction. Here's where we're going. Right, but what about me? Just come with me. Do you yeah. even see me? Yeah. Do you even know that I'm here? Do you know that I'm suffering? Do you know that I'm hurting? Do you know that I'm confused? Do you know that I'm scared? Yeah. Do you know any of that? Or do you just want me to get on board with your vision? If a leader is going to say anything today, it needs to have the heart of, I see you. I'm here for you. I'm with you. Now let's go. So good. Now let's go. So good. That is gold. Talk to us about, let's transition from what a pastor needs to be saying to his congregation. Let's lift our eyes a little bit. What, what do you hope that the, the city is hearing from the church? What's the narrative? What's the messaging that they need to be hearing yeah. right now? Um, I think I pray message that every city hears from every church that calls itself the by believers of God. Yeah. Um, is that we're done sitting, we're mm -hmm. done watching. Yeah. 
and that we are going to take an active role in being what we know Jesus has called us to be. Yeah. You know, there's that, there's, there's that old quote that Martin Luther King called that the church is, is, is not the author of the state, but it's the conscience of the state. You know? right. And I'm pretty sure I butchered that. So send all uh, angry tweets to Nathan Kemp. Um, <laughs> but it's, it's the fact that the church is the conscience of yeah. the state. And if, if that is not the narrative, then I don't know what it is. It can't be that churches are going to start tweeting things about don't be racist. Yeah. Well, I guess if you got to start somewhere, we can start there. But the church everywhere, the message, the narrative, the story needs to be, we're done sitting. Yeah. We're done sitting by and watching. We're getting up. And we're going to show you what it means to be Jesus. We're going to show you in the streets. We're going to show you in the marketplace. We're going to show you everywhere we can because we can't sit down. We yeah. can't just sit in churches and hide. We're, we're, we're going to where the hurting people are. And we're going to wrap our arms around them and we're not sitting down anymore. That has to be the narrative. There are people that will hijack that. Yep. And so that means we need to speak even louder. So good. We need to be even louder that we are sick of sitting. Yeah. We're standing and we're, and we're going. So victory has been doing this for 30 years. Uh, you guys have really been plowing through on living and, and, uh, racially reconciled, fighting against that. Let's put some, yeah. some skin on the bones now. I, I hear you saying we've got to go beyond hashtag evangelism, right? Hashtag mm -hmm. whatever. Talk to me practically. There's leaders that are listening to this right now, and they've maybe you've never thought of this before, you know, that this should be a highlight. It is on the heart of God, but they're just seeing it, and they don't know what to do next. Give right. me two or three things where you say, here's how you start standing. How yeah. would they do that? Number one thing. Um, we're all, we're all communicators for a living. We, we have the gift of gab. Um, the number one thing we can do is to say something. Yeah. A lot of people, especially in, and if, if you're not a person of color, they don't say something because they're afraid, well, what am I supposed to say? And what if I say it wrong? Yeah. And I think in the past, there has been a history of people who have said something and it didn't quite come out right. And they got bashed over it. They got slammed for, mm -hmm. Well, why did you say it like that? Why did you use that word? And you say, see, see, that's why, you, that's why you can't say anything. I think right now there's a little bit of a sensitivity. What I'm telling people who are like, you saw what they said. That's not the right way to say that. Yeah. I said, but they said something. That's so good. But they said something. Yeah. And I'd rather you get it wrong than be silent. Yeah, so good. Uh, and so the first thing you have to do is say something. When you don't know what to say, say that. Yeah. Guys. I don't even know what to say. Yeah. But you know what I can say? I see you. Yeah. And I'm praying every day to get the heart of God to find out what the words are, but I don't know what to say, but I know that I see you. Mm -hmm. Just start there. Yeah. You start there with Christ and I guarantee you, he fills in the rest, right? Yeah. You know, he doesn't let you come to him with your hands open. And yeah. then he goes, no, I'm not going to, I'm not going to give you the rest of my heart. No, he yeah. pours it out lavishly. Upon us. The number one thing, say something. Say it on social media. Say it at, at church. Say yeah. it to your friends. Um, I, I, and, I, and I specifically don't like the one and not the other. Yeah. I, don't, I don't want people to text me, and, but you're not saying anything publicly. Yeah. No, don't, don't have a private moment of fighting injustice. And I'm also looking a little sideways at people that are posting something 
publicly, but are you having those conversations yeah. privately? Say something, say it everywhere, everywhere you can. Um, and then obviously the, the next step after saying something is doing something. Yeah. And I have read the same book three times because I've had white friends, white coworkers, white colleagues, white pastors that have said, hey, what can I do? You know what you can do? Read this book. Read it and then call me and we'll talk about it. Yeah. And you get into these dialogues yeah. and these dialogues start changing us from the inside out. And you go, I've never thought of that before. Yeah. I never noticed that, I've never seen that. And so I'm talking about something as practical, Nathan, as reading a book with someone. Yeah. It'll get more practical than that, right? Yeah. <laughs> reading a book with someone. Um, a, another really simple thing to do is find an organization that is fighting injustice and see how you can get involved. Yeah, that's good. You know, I'm not the guy that's going to go out and protest in the streets. Personally, I'm saying me. I'm, 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 I'm not that guy. But you can do something. You can find an organization whose goal yeah. it is to, to fight injustice at every version, every version of injustice. And you can get involved with them. And, I, you know, I could come up with a, a, a third one because as pastors, it's the rule of three. We got to have three things. But I'm going to resist. And I'm going to say, say something and, and, and do something. And then the third is repeat. Yeah. Just keep saying something, keep, keep doing something. Um, it's not hard. We try to make it so difficult. Yeah. We try to make it so complicated. It's not complicated. It's loving people. Yeah. How do you love people? How do you love people who look just like you? Yeah. You know what? The same tricks work with people who don't look like you. Yeah. So good. Same exact things. Say something, do something, and for the pastors in the room, repeat. That's Maybe so good. Let me ask you in our, our last few minutes here, I got two more questions. One is, let's talk about fatigue. Leading in this crisis time is just yeah. tiring. It's not business as usual, right? It feels like yeah. I'm not running at a marathon pace. I'm running at a sprint pace, and I, I right. can't keep that up. How are you staying physically, emotionally, mentally um, buoyant? during yeah. times of great fatigue? Um, it, is, it is tiring. It is fatiguing. It is exhausting to try to keep up a pace. And, and I, I, I use this analogy with someone. It's not like this is a very long game. It's that the game keeps changing sports. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Like, <laughs> we were yeah. playing basketball, and then it was cricket. And I don't know anything about cricket. And then it yeah. turned into, it's not like the game is overtime. It's a different game. Yeah, that's right. And so I'm not prepared. I'm still wearing shoulder pads, but this is soccer. I don't, ah, this is okay. I got to go. And so it's a completely <laughs> different game. So it is exhausting. Um, but I have found, especially this, the one thing that I don't hear a lot of leaders talking about is mental health, especially mental health of leaders. Yeah. And so I've made a point of connecting with someone um, as often as I can. Sometimes it's twice a month and just saying, hey, can I just, can I just unload? I'm not venting. This isn't an angry session. Can I just get some stuff off and, and, just, and just talk to you? And yeah, sure. Go ahead. Um, my mental health so, guides the rest of me. Yeah. My spiritual health is, is, is first, right? Yeah. Um, after that, it's my mental health. I, I haven't gone to the gym in nine weeks. I love going to the gym. I'm not like a big dude, but I, I love working out. It gives me just like a, ah, I get a look, I'm like I'm alive. Sure. Um, I haven't been able to go to the gym. I haven't been able to go running. I haven't been able to do a lot of these things. 
Um, but I am spending so much more time making sure that I'm healthy mentally than ever before. And I'm telling you, Nathan, I feel happy. I feel joy. I feel like I can do this. Well, I don't feel as strong as I felt nine weeks ago. That's for sure. But I feel, I feel like I'm okay. I feel stable. I don't feel depressed. Yeah. I don't feel, I don't feel this, this heavy burden. And I look at people and I'm like, man, that dude looks like he is going through it. Yeah. He's not taking care of himself mentally. So good. Um, and so that's, that's just, that's, that's absolutely what I'm doing. And as pastors, I think we give the short stick to mental health. Yeah. We yeah. give the primary stick to make sure you read your Bible and pray and doing your things. And we'll talk about exercising every now and then. Um, you know, not everybody's running Ironmans. We're, we're not all built like that. But, um, man, you hear very few people until a crisis yeah. talk about their mental health. And so when this crisis is over, I don't plan on letting that go. That's I plan on holding on to that. You know, we're here. One of the things we're doing here at Star Church is we're actually putting out some resources coming up on grief counseling. Our the CEO mm -hmm. of our company has a double doctorate. He is focused on grief counseling. He worked for hospice for a long time. He said something to me the other day that really uh, stuck with me. He said, "Nathan, the the country is grieving, even before everything happened with George Floyd and and uh, Ahmed. Like we were grieving in COVID." And when the church opens again, if pastors just go, rah, rah, we're all back and don't give them a chance to say, I'm hurting, yeah. I've been hurting. He said, we're going to see people flame out over the next year and go, right. what's going on? But we've got to give people a chance to grieve, to work there, yep. especially now as leaders. I, I love what you said, mental health. Man, we, we have permission as pastors to get counseling, to get yep. people in our own lives give us the ability to grieve what's going yeah. on. Sometimes as leaders, we're out front and we're not mm -hmm. able to process our own emotions. We as leaders have to have the permission to say, okay, it's my turn now. And we don't do it enough. And so when we flame out, now that scripture is fulfilled. Yeah. When, you, when so you strike the shepherd, the sheep scatter. Right. So we can't, there's too much of a price. There's too, there's too high a price to pay yeah. for us to not take care of our own mental health. Let's end on hopeful vision. Where are we in 24 months? Where do you hope, sitting there as a pastor, mm -hmm. through these crises, where do you hope we are in 24 months? Oh, man, that's a dangerous question to ask somebody like me because I'm, I'm, the longer this goes on, I'm more and more of the, were we really doing it right to begin mm -hmm. with? Yeah. The goal has always been the bigger means the better. Um, that's one of the things you've taught us is that the, the guy who gets the, um, the big giant church he, he gets the, he gets the success badge. Mm -hmm. um, well, now all our big giant churches have been scattered mm -hmm. in 24 months. It is my hope. It is my dream that the church stays scattered. Yeah. Not disconnected, yeah. but free. I'm hoping that more of the, these giant churches, which we're one of, <laughs> um, realize that we say we believe that the church is not the building, the church is the people, but now we've had to live it. Yeah. The next 24 months, I'm praying that house churches spring up all over this nation. I'm praying that barbershops turn into places where people get wrecked oh, for Jesus. I'm praying that those, you know, that, that little version of marketplace Christianity where we give you a little book and you can have a little break room that's where revival breaks out yeah. that revival breaks out in break rooms that house churches spring up in communities yeah. that apartments are the places where you can go to meet your pastor 
That's what I'm hoping. I'm hoping the next 24 months redefines, radically redefines what it means to be a follower of Christ, belonging to a community of believers. Mm. Wreck it, blow it up. It's time for it to, to be completely wrecked. That's what I'm hoping. And, and, and as I say that, you got to understand someone in my position has the most to lose. Mm. We've built this, this church, you know, victory has tens of thousands of people coming to yeah. our locations on the weekend. Someone in this seat of the mega church has the most to lose, but I guarantee you, Nathan, that's what I'm praying. Wow. I'm praying that the church wakes up where it is and fires up its neighborhoods in a way that a big cruise ship never could. So that's what I'm hoping. So that means the people who are planting, they're closer to the heart of what my dream is than someone who's 30 years down the road. Wow. So do not doubt where you are in this process. You may be closer to the heart of God than you thought. You may be closer to the target, to the bullseye of what this nation needs um, than you ever imagined. Wow. Pastor Avery, we're so grateful you spent the time with us today. This is this is what we needed today. We really appreciate your time. Appreciate it. Thanks for having me on. Thank you for listening to Beyond the Call, brought to you by Start Church. If you have any questions about what you've heard today, please give us a call at 844-641-5718 or visit our website at startchurch.com. We hope you'll join us for the next episode of Start Church Beyond the Call. Start Church has helped thousands of churches and ministries protect what God has given them to lead. Check out our website at startchurch.com or feel free to call at 844-641-5718. We would be honored to serve you.